Welcome to Politics Done Right. I'm Ben Willis, your host. We are going to have a great show for you today. Uh, anyway, uh, hello. How are you doing, El Senor Daniel? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So again, Itzel, how are you doing, sir? Okay. How is it going, my friend? Uh, it's going well. You know, we are uh, hurtling toward November at this point. So, uh, you know, a little bit less than a month out from November elections. And uh, I'm feeling frisky. It's six in the morning. Let's do this thing, you know. We're going to do it. But before we get started, I need to go ahead and tell the great geniuses in the studio. Good morning, El Senor Howard. And good morning, El Senor Jack. Well, good morning, Egberto. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm doing fine. I don't know if you noticed, but, you know, when your hands touch a volume button, you can think that something is happening because you can't hear a darn thing. You're about to go on the air and it's like, oh, there's a sort panic that sets in. <laughs> but just knowing that there are two great guys in the studio, you know that you're oh, covered. How are you guys doing today? We were going to take over your show and play smooth jazz. Harry would be happy. But you came on through, so your tin cans and string held up. So here we are. And I did want to talk about our brand new lineup on KPFT. Rourke departed on us on Friday. So, well, he's still alive, of course. He didn't depart the earth. He just departed KPFT, <laughs> which leaves us with a brand new lineup for the week. Uh, they moved Susan to three to six for Border Radio. And they put in Marcus Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. Clint Broussard is going to step up with Blues and Hi-Fi, which is really a pretty good show. And I think he'll do very, very well. Then Friday, it all comes off the rails. The train wrecks. I'm going to take over Friday morning, 930 till noon. And we're going to take in a lot of requests, too. They've been announcing that it's an all-request show, but we're going to work in some of my requests, too. So I guess it would be an all-request show. Uh, that's uh, this coming week on KPFT. And, Jack, you got some wisdom for us this morning? Yes. Good morning, Egberto. Buenos dias, Jack. How are you doing this morning, my brother? I'm good. I'm good. It's going to be... Talk may, to me. May you be the wisest hobo in the hooch. <laughs> All right. All then. Wait, is that it? That's it. You, you mean you you got a one liner today? <laughs> Just a oh, one liner. You have to make that up. I'm probably going to have to make that up for sure. I'm going to probably end up being a hobo, maybe a hobo with means. So I want to be the wisest hobo in the hooch. Right. Jack and I are going to hey, live well, under the bridge well, over here. Yeah, well, <laughs> anyway, folks, we have got a great show for you today. Today's topics. First of all, the title of the show today is Cohen's Progressive Voter Guide. Medicare Advantage Scam. Liz Cheney warns about Jim Jordan. But look, as usual, folks. Those are the topics I chose for today. But remember, this is your show. Most of the times we get to one topic 
Uh, if we're lucky, we get to two. If we're lucky, we get to three because it's your show. You call in and change to whatever you want. Please do remember, let me first uh, give the setup subtitle. Daniel J. Cohen boldly re- releases his progressive voter guide for the Houston area. Liz Cheney did not mince her words about the impact electing, of electing Jim Jordan what it would have on the GOP. And Tom Hartman calls out Medicare Advantage. Yes, Tom and I go back and forth with Medicare Advantage, trying to get folks to understand the scam. Try to get folks to understand the scam. Folks, remember, you can reach us several ways. Go ahead and get us at KPFT 90.1 on the Dows. That's 90.1 FM. Alternatively, you can go ahead and stream us from your tune-in application on your Android or Apple phone. Download that tune-in application at the Apple Store or at the Google Store, also known as a Play Store. You can stream us live at kpft.org slash listen or just go to kpft.org and click listen. Uh, while you're the, at, the, the, at the website, don't forget you can hit that donate button and support uh, KPFT via uh, Politics Done Right by just going ahead and select that donate. Scroll down, say, I'm doing it for Politics Done Right. I'm not getting any pennies at all. I don't get any money. It all goes to the studio. They just tag it as, well, came through Politics Done Right. Go and see us live at facebook.com slash KPFT Houston. Facebook.com slash KPFT Houston. You'll also be able to see the handsome face of Daniel Cohen as he gives us his data we also have of course on youtube you can go to politicsunright.tv politicsunright.tv watch the show live at youtube or on youtube the podcast folks at politicsunright.com slash podcast to see the different clips that we have and quite a bit more you can also go to politicsunright.com slash newsletter politicsunright.com slash newsletter to see the subjects we didn't cover, just come up to the blog and everything that I didn't cover, the clips and everything will be right there. Of course, it's a call in show 713-526-5738, 713-526-5738, extension number two gets you speaking right away. Anyhow, our special, special, special guest today is the one and only President of Indivisible Houston, and that is Daniel Cohen, who also has a new newsletter on Substack. Tell us, first of all, about your newsletter and how people can get your newsletter so that they can be informed about local and national politics. Oh, sure. Thank you. Uh, it's danieljcohen.substack.com. It's called Disruption and Democracy. And uh, I offer you left takes uh, as one of the most active pro-democracy activists in the post-Trump era in the city of Houston. But the takes are going to cover uh, local, state, and national themes, uh, and sometimes international themes so that we can connect the dots and uh, connect the threads between those different things. Uh, so I'm hoping to give you some information, insights, perspectives, and strategy and tactics for democracy. Again, that's danieljcohen.substack.com. Yeah, very important. I, you know, I, I, I've been trying to, uh, as far as, Independent media, independent voices, Daniel. It is important for us to reach sources. You take a look at how the news is covered right now and the, the types of slants that you get is always a corporate slant or the kind of things you can't talk about has a corporate direction. So we really, uh, right now we still have the ability to have independent voices speaking so that to give people a place. So I want as much as possible for us to make sure that we are all 
heard and having a voice like yours with your new Substack newsletter. I know you're writing for some other folks as well, but having your own news that you can, uh, you know, write unlimitedly and timely is, I think, very important. Now, uh, Daniel, I was uh, perusing my Twitter and then I noticed that uh, you wrote an article and this article uh, was actually called and I'm, I'm searching for it as I pull it up here was called Progressive Voting Guide for the 2023 Houston City Council Elections. Let me tell you why that turned me on and why I said I wanted to bring you on to talk about that. With all the election that is the very important election that is occurring in Houston on uh, on in, in November, I don't hear much about it. And uh, every, what I see is that people, and Joe, I'm coming to you in a little bit. I just want to get started up here with, with uh, Daniel. I don't hear a lot of people talking about it. And we are a bellwether county. We are a bellwether city. Our elections, just like when Chicago was running several uh, candidates, it was national news. Everybody knew the candidates. Everybody knew the different policies that they were talking about, et cetera. Here in Houston, the fourth largest city. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. And peeps, nothing. No national mention, nothing. Why is that? There are a lot of reasons. So one reason is that, uh, as you said, you know, you, you mentioned that a lot of the media slants corporate, but it's it's also that the the us. Uh, the election structurally slants in a corporate direction. So, for example, we're having our November election for control of the city of Houston in 2023. Most elections are happening in even numbered years during November. And so you start talking about all of it as one lump of the different things. You would think one would overshadow the other, but it doesn't really work that way. Just as when you have two restaurants on a row, both restaurants do better. When you have multiple elections happening at the same time, you have better voter turnout for multiple elections. But the Houston city election, generally speaking, overrepresents um, and it skews older, uh, it skews wider than the city and it skews wealthier than the city. Um, so it's it's uh, we we don't really get the word out. It's kind of unclear in a lot of cases. In fact, to some extent, who is even eligible? There are people who are in unincorporated Harris County who can't vote. There are other people who are in the city of Houston, but they're not in Houston proper, so they can't vote. So you don't have that extra fringe of Harris County and the surrounding areas necessarily included. You do in some cases, for example, as you well know, in Kingwood, folks can vote. But then when you start getting out to um, the heavy majority of, say, Fort Bend, they can't, right? Which right. I, I guess is the case with Harris County as well. But if you get out to like Cy Fair or Tomball, they can't vote. Um, so you don't have as much chatter around the edges of the city as well. Uh, and then in addition to that, it's just local politics. I think 
makes less of a horse race for people. And that perpetuates this cycle where the news doesn't cover it and the people don't pay attention to it. It's very easy to play trip, uh, clips over and over again of, say, Trump or even a congressperson. But it's, you know, Houston City Council, somebody sitting around the dais for a local area. It's just a little bit, uh, it drives a few less clicks, I think, for people. Um, and people don't know how Houston City Council works. They weren't taught that in school. So there is some of that. But to your point, I mean, it's a huge city. It's a huge pulpit. It's going to be hugely impactful. The mayor of Houston has a ton of power and we just don't even discuss it. Yeah, it, that is shameful. Now, let's let's hold our horses here for a second before we continue this and bring Joe into the conversation and then we'll take it from there. Joe, come on in. Hey, good morning, Egberto. Good morning. How are you doing, hey, sir? I'm not too bad, man. How about yourself? Great, great. Talk to me. Well, uh, a couple things uh, I, I, the, uh, about the local race. Um, it seems to me that, that Houston is really just such a uh, you know, a Democrat machine city that really the, the results are just predictable. If you check all the right boxes, well, you're, you're there. If you're, you know, if you're black, gay, um, you know, um, uh, pro, pro, um, migration person, you know, you've checked all the boxes and you're, you're pretty much guaranteed a seat. Um, Houston politics to me is really, is pretty, it's machine politics, but, um, to me, um, but, but, uh, you mentioned something about Liz Cheney, right? And that's, that's, that's intriguing to me because, you know, she's, she's a, she's a darling among Democrats now because, you know, she's, she's speaking out against, you know, MAGA Republicans and, um, mm-hmm. you know, just, and it's funny to see that, you know, her, ali- uh, Democrats aligning themselves with the, the Cheney family, you know, if Cheney's, have we forgotten that that guy's like one of the no- most notorious war criminals in history, Dick Cheney? Right? He he's the, you know, he's the I, architect of, of of all of that mass murder after 9/11 when we when we went looking for WMDs in Iraq and propping up the huge defense industry in this country, which is something we're doing again now. Right? So if you're going to talk about Liz Cheney, let's just you know, put put color everything she says with that kind of lens. Remember where she's coming from, right? She's she's um she's her her father's daughter, and she is very much um um I think evil. Okay, anyway, I don't think she's here. evil. I agree with. Let me let me just say um, I agree with you that um, Democrats need to put it into context who she really is. But, you know, that phrase that says the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And in in this case, uh, there's one good thing that as far as people who believe in democracy and believe that Trump is a clear and present danger to the society, uh, they take the help wherever they can get it. And Liz Cheney was very helpful in giving some credibility. I, I mean, not for Democrats or independents, but giving credibility to some Republicans that uh, that going after Donald Trump for the uh, the insurrectionist and coup plotter that he was, that you know that it was justified to go after him. Given wait that a second, he had a wait a second, ultra cons- wait a second, wait a go second, ahead. man, go ahead, go ahead, coup sure, plotter, go ahead. please go ahead, coup plotter, insurrectionist, dude, dude, yes, you know, uh, uh, if you can't see that that 2020 election was a sham, then you should open your eyes, man, open your eyes, um, and don't perpetuate the lies. 
so Joe, let me ask you one question, and and then I, I will ask uh, to and and let's actually continue civil. I really enjoyed that the way you started was very civil, so that we could actually listen to what each other actually had to say. And if you notice, I also listened to what you had to say. So let's let's kind of keep it there. Um, just pause right, just for a second. Uh, again. But what you said, what you said, what you said was offensive to me because you said people who love democracy and people who recognize uh-huh. Donald Trump as an existential threat. It's as if those are two uh-huh. separate. You know, it's, it's, uh, those those things are the same, right? Well, Donald Trump is preferred by the majority of Americans. It's not because it's some game show host. It's because mm-hmm. he wants to dis- destroy the cancer that's eating away at, at, at the, the body. So okay, Joe. Said, let me ask you something shall... because I, I want to show you. I want to say something that you said, right? And uh, and by the way, uh, keep keep Joe live for me, um, Jack, because I, I I really want to touch on something Jack said. I mean that something uh, Joe said. Um, Joe, here is here's the thing. I made some comments, and you told me that it was offensive to you, and you started to interrupt me as I was replying. But you made a whole lot of comments when you started the the discussion that norm to a lot of Democrats would have seemed offensive. First of all, the mere fact the way you said Democrat as you know as a noun that that sort of a thing kind of told me where you were early early on. And I sat down and I listened to you to really understand where you're coming from. I ask you to do the same for me. Now, there are many of us who look at Trump as an existential, uh, an existential problem for democracy. You don't. I do. I am pretty sure Daniel does as well. Okay, you don't see it that way, but we do. We we can enumerate things that he does, but I don't have the time to go into that particular issue right now. I think you called in to make a valid point, and that is, please remember who Liz Cheney is and where she comes from. That was a valid point. Now, uh, again, Donald Trump. Uh, when you mentioned that Donald Trump is is cared for, or most people in America prefer Daniel Trump. I can't find a poll at all that says that. I can't find a reality at all that says that. Uh, you, you may have some poll that says that. We have not yet seen that, but that's not the case. When it comes to the election, I guess if you believe that 61 or 66 judges do, uh, who said there was no election fraud, if, if there were 66 judges, federal judges that said that, we'd have to disbelieve all of that. Likewise, if you take a look at the the amount of votes that came in uh, that voted against Trump, I, I don't know where you're coming with what you have to say, but go ahead, Joe, before we move on. Well, the the um, the, the bus is here, so I, I got to go hop on the bus. But um, it, I, you know, we could we could go on all day, but I don't think uh, sixty one or sixty six federal judges said that there was no um, election fraud. I believe what they said is that. The proof of election fraud that's being presented to them has no standing or they have no standing or it uh, there was a problem with the evidence. But the, I, the evidence doesn't make it into court. Right. Be- because of likewise, one technical reason or another. Right. Before you go, to, since you have to jump on the bus, since. You, yeah, I'll, I'll be right. listening, Egberto. Um, have a beautiful day. man. Right. Sorry, I had to cut it short. You too. We'll talk to you, soon. you too, Joe. We'll talk. We'll we'll talk another time, Joe. You take care. Now, Daniel, uh, you know, Joe is not a bad person and you can talk to Joe if you come to Joe with a, you know, with a part. But um, 
I think the problem, and before we go back to our subject, I think there is, you remember earlier before the show started, we were talking about the propaganda engine that was getting placed together with the meeting with Fuentes and these other folks, etc. When you have a group of people who follow those guys, uh, we get uh, brothers and sisters like Joe, who they genuinely believe what they're saying because their source of information makes them believe what they believe. One of the reasons I state that we need a Daniel Cohen's newsletter and other, other forms of information is to counteract that. What's your thoughts? Uh, I mean, I think that that's absolutely true. There are a few things though, that I, I, Egberto, I got to touch on a couple of other things here. Sure, and, go on. Please I, do, please do. I, Joe, I hope, I hope that this shines through. Uh, I have to say that, you know, when you said that the 66 judges didn't say there's provable fraud, that's because 66 different times people had the case, the opportunity to make a case in 66 times, none of it ever came through, which pretty well demonstrates that there wasn't strong enough evidence to be able to make those claims. He mentioned that a majority of Americans prefer Trump. You know, in the 2020 election, seven million was a popular margin between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. So it was um, unless you believe that there's a seven million person vote fraud that flipped, or if you believe, for example, that Dominion voting machines, which, by the way, were used in Texas, uh, were only, you know, used to tilt the election in certain places, which numerous studies have shown that that wasn't the case. There were numerous people surrounding Trump, like attorney A.G. Barr, who specifically said uh, that there was no election fraud. They tried to smear him by saying he was connected to Dominion. It was Dominion Energy in the end instead of the Dominion voting machines, which are two different companies. I mean, I just hope that Joe does uh, watch some of the alternative arguments to what he says, because I have the awful impression that he hasn't actually given the dissent to his arguments the time of day. So that, that's my that's my impression. Just large. I, it had to be the record had to be collect, uh, corrected very quickly. I do think that um, one thing that he made, the only thing here that I can say he made a reasonable point about, which I think you addressed directly, was it is true that uh, Liz Cheney is popular. She's the kind of person who can be sanitized and that they will put Liz Cheney on the news before they put you on the news, before they put me on the news. Um, but they do love to put people like Joe on the news. You will find that they love to talk to your rank and file street level Trump voter before they will talk to somebody who challenges the democratic machine from the left or say, and, and I'm not talking about like a Jimmy door, like, you know, flamethrower type, but somebody who just, just speaks lucidly about these issues. Um, and I wish that we had more lucid um, uh, analysis of these issues. I wish that we had, they'll never put someone who takes a hardcore class and race analysis to the corporate news machine on the news because that would disrupt the whole game. That's why every newspaper in America has a business section, has a real estate section, which is just a business section for, for, for property, has a restaurant section, which is a business section for food, but has a sports section, which is a business section for the athletic empire and so on and so forth. Every section of your newspaper, broadly speaking, is the business section in a different format. There is no labor section of your newspaper in the United States of America. And there's a reason for that. So it, I totally agree with you, Egberto, the, the standard line of the news. And it's not that I think that the 
that the media or individual journalists are, are bought or sold or anything like that. It's just that there is a lens to these things. You know, today we're talking about the Houston city elections. And I noticed that in a standard news article covering the Houston city elections, they referred to John Whitmire as a tough on crime Democrat, except the tough on crime is not an objective label. That's what John Whitmire and his supporters call John Whitmire. They're the ones propagandizing that label. There's no reason for an objective journalist to pick that up and use it as a label in their story. So, Joe, I, I mean, the, at the end of the day, there's even room for agreement between you and me. But a lot of what you said, I, I think you got to do more research, my friend. And I, I want to cover some of what, I, I want to cover some of what was said about the municipal elections too. But let me let me hop off the soapbox here. For oh no no no! I think what you just said was important. And and before I I just want to remind Joe that. There are several people were convicted of voter fraud uh, in this in that election. They were all uh, voter fraud supporting Donald Trump. That's number one. Number two, likewise, uh, whenever we we took a look at all instances, it never turned out. Again, you would have to believe, as you said, that machines and there is this huge conspiracy that that nobody could find. So, I mean. You have to open up your sources. Anyway, talk to me uh, about let's move on to the the election. Johnny, I'm coming to you in a second uh, with the election. So briefly, I mean, another you know, we'll we'll talk. Joe mentioned he thinks that the that the outcome of these elections are predetermined. I think that's a dangerous narrative, not just for uh, the general nature of democracy, but even for Joe's own voter base, for what he wants to 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 push forward in the world and what he believes. Um, generally speaking, you know, he said, hey, yeah, the, the the election outcomes predetermined if you're you're pro black, pro gay and pro migration. You know, I, I don't know. I didn't know that the Republican Party was quite mask off enough to say that they were anti any of those things explicitly. Usually there's a, a more um, in-depth kind of discussion of that. But the other thing I'll say is this one. There are several conservatives on Houston City Council. Two, we have a highly contested mayoral race, and John Whitmire is playing footsie with a lot of Republicans in this race. So, um, and three, those issues that were mentioned, generally speaking, are not the focus of any of these elections. You know, if you wanted to point to the issues that most Houston City Council incumbents believe in, they will do anything to protect the police department, even when the police department is wrong and engaging in crooked behavior. They want to uh, focus on potholes all day long. They love talking about potholes and they love talking about streets and street construction. Those are the three issues you hear over and over again. And basically, if you can get to everybody's uh, if if you can be the person who represents those issues, then you're probably going to win your election. Those are the things. And the reason that we don't hear about these other issues is we have such voter turnout in the city of Houston. So we don't get to hear about anything else. We have a housing crisis right now. We have food insecurity and food deserts across the city of Houston. We have major transit issues that we could be talking about, but we don't. We talk about cops, potholes, and streets. It's cops and concrete and oil that run the city. If we want to break that, then we need people to start voting and getting involved in talking about those things. I don't think I've heard a reference to immigration once in this entire discussion. And to the extent that Democrats are talking about immigration, they seem to be moving to the right. In fact, uh, I'm criticizing the Democratic Party, you know, and their position and far more out of step with the current Democratic Party. Probably, I hate to say this, that but then Joe is this week. I mean, you had the president coming out for a wall. Um, and you have Democrats running in rank and file. You've got the number two to Eric Adams up in New York saying close the border. And then you've got, you know, ma- major uh, immigration um, 
uh, critique going on in Chicago. In Houston, though, I don't even hear about it. Nobody talks about migration in the city of Houston. They're talking about cops, talking about potholes, and they're talking about streets. And you can go and look at every website. Don't let, don't don't listen to me. Go look at go to EricManning.us. Go to each individual candidate's website for the Houston city elections and look for yourself and see how many of them are talking about the issues I just mentioned versus the issues that Joe just mentioned. And and you'll notice that's what they're all talking about. That's even the incumbents are talking about that. They talk about public safety and the cops and potholes and streets. Anyway, I'll I'll get off it. But that's that's the mainstream line, uh, because developers and oil men and the police are big business in Houston. All right, let, let's go ahead and uh, run down your list real quickly on uh, on on what what you think the progressives need to know. Proposition A. Yeah, so Prop A is going to allow any three city council members to bring uh, an item to city council. Right now, uh, the mayor can essentially shut down the agenda at any given time because it's a strong mayor system. Um, Three is a little bit low, to tell you the truth, for my taste, because I think that three out of 16 people sitting around the dais is not exactly a popular democracy. But, you know, it is just bringing it up for discussion. We are going to see some fringe things happen, like three people might say, you know, abolish the health department. But at the same time, we have such a strong mayor system that nobody can make enough noise that they need to make. Or let me take that back. It's hard for people to make enough noise, as much noise as they need to make about issues that are popular issues for Houstonians. So I say vote in favor of Prop A. Don't let the good be the or the the perfect be the enemy of the good. Excellent. And uh, uh, Prop B. Prop B is an easy call. Uh, we're part of this this uh, group called the Houston Galveston Area Council. We have less votes than anybody else on the council. Houston and Harris County get less votes than the surrounding counties with smaller populations. This is very much a nonpartisan vote. We get less funding than we should for Houston and Harris County, even though we give more money into the pie because we were volunteered as a county and as a city for this collective back in the 60s and nobody's ever fixed it. So this amends the city charter to make sure that we uh, get our fair share of money and services. So we get out what we put in. Vote in favor of Prop B. There's very few people who are against Prop B. No, I think we represent like 60% of that consortium, right? And I think we only get like 20% of the money because what is it a five county uh, thing? I think it's more, I think there's a bunch of counties and municipalities in there because it's cities okay. and counties. Like you get okay. the, you, get like, you know, all due respect to the people of Liberty County, you know, and I think they should get their funding. And I think, frankly, Greg Abbott has left them out in the cold. And so, so has a federal government on some of their projects, but you know, in terms of a collective with us, if we're putting in that much money, we got people in Houston. Like I said, we've got ma- a massive eviction crisis and food deserts. That money should flow back. Uh, absolutely. We'll talk about candidates in a minute, but let's go ahead and bring Johnny into the conversation and then we'll do that. Come on, Johnny. Hey, Joe, where are you going with your wife in your hands? I think Joe's <laughs> wife is still calling him and he's pretending he's got to get to work. So. Uh, I think your guest is 100% on target, especially with his observation about newspapers. Every section of the newspaper, I would say more accurately, is not about labor. It's always about those with the books, the people at the very tippy top. Excellent observation. That's why I hate local newspapers. That's a crime, though, when you think about it. Yeah, and language is really revealing. When people say Democrat Party, that really irritates me. So, 
there are like 16, 17, 18 constitutional, Texas constitutional amendments in next month's election. And at least four or five of them are ridiculous, over the top. And I don't have my list in front of me, so I can't comment on them with any degree of accuracy, since I don't know where I put that list. But what was I calling now? Something to do with it. Oh, that's right. Joe said, Joe, in case you're listening, buddy, uh, you know what projection is, right? When Republicans project onto Democrats and libs and progressives what they are guilty of doing and or being. The, there was plenty of irregularities in this past election and every election, really. But the irregularities were not being committed by the Democrats, unfortunately. They were being committed by the Republicans, like Brian, uh, what's his face, in um, Georgia. You know, the one who's holding the governorship right now, unlawfully, I would say. Yeah, Brian Kemp. Brian Kemp. Brian Kemp. Brian yeah. Kemp. Brian Kemp, he used his office at that time as, oh, was he the voter registrar or the secretary of state? He was actually he the secretary office. of state. And then at the same time, he uh, ran because they run the election. And at the same time, he was running. So he ran the election right. in which he was major, in. Amazing. Major conflict of interest, yeah. Joe. Well, are you not thinking about that? Or did you forget? Maybe. I don't know. But that's just one example of Dozens of examples that Republicans engage in. The Democrats, they don't play hardball. The only time they play hardball is with their own people who run for office, who don't want to take corporate dark and pack money. I've said this, oh, I feel like a broken record over and over and over again. Shank Uger, Nina Turner, and back in the day, Ralph Nader. That's when they play hardball instead of putting a check on the Republicans. Right. It's the Republicans no, Johnny, who are I, doing the Johnny, I also show. want to remind... I also want to remind um, uh, Joe of one thing that I forgot to mention when Daniel was responding, and that is uh, when we talk about uh, about voter fraud, Dan Patrick, our lieutenant governor, put up twenty five million dollars asking folks to find voter fraud. And they did find voter fraud. But the person who bought, found voter fraud was the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania, Fetterman. Fetterman found voter fraud, I think, in four or five different instances. Each of the voter fraud was committed by uh, by Republicans trying to give extra votes to Donald Trump. But it gets a bit worse than that, because not only did that occur, but uh, Patrick did not pay Fetterman the monies for finding the voter fraud. I don't know what excuse he used. But a third person came and found voter fraud themselves. And Patrick did have to pay that person for the for that voter fraud that he found. And what was it again? Voter fraud on the Republican side. I'm oh, pretty wait. sure that wasn't reported. Uh, it wasn't reported in, in the media that Joe's trust. But what I'm happy about, Joe, is Joe, first of all, and this is a message directed to a, one of our listeners. Thank you for listening to Politics Done Right. I hope we develop the trust in you so that in the long run, you'd eventually stop uh, stop listening to the people who are misleading you and making you unnecessarily angry at the wrong people. I guarantee if you stick with politics done right and good guys like Johnny and <laughs> and Daniel Cohen. And remember, check out Daniel Cohen's newsletter. Uh, that's going to be given quite a bit of information. Anyway, Johnny, I got to go continue the show. Uh, yeah, give me like a one sentence. And please don't be like our brother, Harry. One sentence. No, no. No, I'm, I won't do that. I wouldn't do that to you. I would simply say I also liked your guest's comments about 
barking up the wrong tree. Well, you just said that, barking up the wrong tree. We teach you the right tree to bark up. And, and keep in mind that when people vote, they're voting in good faith. People don't think about voting for someone else in place of someone else. Right. It's just not worth it. Think about it. Unless you're a Republican, then you do it for free. <laughs> Thank you very much, John. You have a good day. All right. Uh, now let's let's start going into some of the races. Um, uh, I, I noticed that. Um, uh, okay, talk about uh, the, the the districts that you did that you ranked. So to let everybody know out there, I only ranked the district. I only talked about the districts where I'm voting, uh, and I only really have a strong opinion about any district outside of that. Basically, one district that's outside of that. But we'll we'll go through the voting list and see if we get to that. Um, so I started with my own district, District J over here, uh, West Side, Sharpstown, uh, Gulfton, uh, this area of town west of the Galleria. Um, it's a very clear race. It's straight up or down. The current incumbent, Edward Pollard, uh, goes to Republican clubs, calls himself an independent conservative, um, and has, uh, seen, Mr. Pollard seems to, um, to run toward whatever is popular in the moment. And, and generally speaking, runs toward like a, a kind of, uh, uh, what he would say is, you know, moderate ideology. Uh, as a Democratic precinct chair, I'm supporting Ivan Sanchez, who's a Democrat in the race. Um, and there's, I think that Ivan is willing to listen on issues. There are some things that we might disagree on, but, uh, but I can talk to him about it. And, and I think that, uh, he's done some good civic work in the past. He did walk the vote at, you uh, at University of Houston downtown, things like that. Got a lot of people to turn out. Um, and has done a lot of service work as well, you know, cleaning up bayous, things like that. So some similarities, but some also some stark enough differences in that race. It's, it makes a clear choice. Um, but that's the only race, actually, that's a straight up and down like Democratic and Republican race, actually, and in in pretty much in the whole uh, ballot, or at least as close as it comes to that. Um, I covered the at-large city council races. Uh, and at-large one, there's a couple of decent candidates, Leah Wolfthal, as well as... Um, as uh, uh, Conchita Reyes, I lean toward Leah Wolfdahl. Um, it also features Melanie Miles. You know, if anybody wants to, my, my trouble with Melanie Miles is essentially she is what you want her to be, depending on which voter you are. Um, she was one the Republican, right? Ran as Melanie Flowers as for Republican for judge as a Republican, and now she's running as Melanie Miles for uh, city council as a Democrat, um, and she's got. Pretty, she's got a, a lot of. She actually has a good chance of winning the race, but uh, I think it's exact. You know, this is the kind of thing that that people should really pay attention to, um, because I mean, you know, she she basically is out there saying that she. So she voted in the Republican primary as late as 2018. She switched over by 2020. But the thing is, if you were horrified by the Trump administration and Trump rhetoric, there really was nothing that you needed to see from the time he ran starting in 2015 to the end of 2018. Like that was enough information that if you were turned off by that ideology, then you would have switched far before that. So I think it's an opportunistic switch. Um, I, I think that we need people in office who are at least going to shoot straight with us on most of the issues. I think, you know, to say that politicians are not generally opportunists. OK, that's fair. Like, but it's a pretty egregious example of opportunism uh, when you claim that you just can't, you know, be with the Trumps anymore. When really 
the, the county changed and she knows that it's harder for her to get elected if she's like a Trump Republican than if she's someone who says that she switched parties. So I think she switched parties for for uh, political opportunism. And I, I think that that's worth noting. And I would urge people to look at other candidates for uh, at large one like Leah Wolfdahl, who has long record of activism and organizing. Um, and like I said before, I, I give Conchita credit, uh, especially for democracy issues. Um, as well, but but I lean toward Leah Wolfdahl for at large. No, I, Leah, I I saw both all three of them speak, and uh, w- what I liked about Leah is Leah apparently did the the the, uh, the grassroots work with the organizations that she worked on, and um, uh, Conchita. I also saw Conchita at an organization. I, I wasn't sure um, what is what is Conchita's claim to fame. Well, she's she's I think she's done some community work and volunteering around as well. Um, she was in I think she had been in spring for a while and I think she'd been doing work out there. Um, the Chronicle ran a piece, actually, that, you know, where they they re- went over everybody's like residence. And that was one of the ones that they kind of questioned. But to tell you the truth, when I read that piece, um, all it did was reinforce to me. This is just my opinion. I didn't buy the argument that she was outside of the city. I think mm-hmm. that she's been inside the Maybe it's been two or three years as opposed to, you know, 30 years or something like that in terms of um, her in the city residence. Uh, but I, I bought the, I, I bought her explanation and, uh, and there were like six or seven others that I didn't. Um, but I, I did buy her explanation. So I think it's been a little bit more under the radar. And I think it's been Houston area as opposed to like at 100 percent inside of like city of Houston. But from where I'm sitting, for what it's worth, I'm fine with that. That's okay, you know, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you'll notice that Leah and Conchita both have quite a few of uh, endorsements from uh, former and sitting politics and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, I don't think it's a matter of, uh, but I don't think it's a matter of anybody being propped up in this case. I think it's a matter of, you know, there are people who have d- they've done community work in the past. Leah's just had more, I think, official positions in that capacity. Okay. And like I said... I support her. I mean, I'm, you know, to, to be very clear, that's who I'm voting for in the race. Yeah. Um, but now at large, yeah. too. Uh, I'm going with Obs Nuwabara because uh, Obs um, is the only candidate in the race who is has shown up consistently for grassroots causes and specifically grassroots democracy causes. Um, and it's it's uh, and he's he's been doing that now for, uh, you know, several years. Um, he ran for Harris County Department of Education on a precinct chair election, um, didn't win, uh, made it to the runoff out of three uh, amongst the precinct chairs, didn't win the race. Um, but he is a dependable uh, sort of Sanders progressive uh, city council candidate, which is rare. We don't have a whole lot of them. Um, there are several candidate, other candidates in that race. They are all fighting over a piece of sort of establishment pie, if you'll call it that, mm-hmm. uh, from different angles. Um, you'll see that. Um, uh, so so Holly Flynn Villaseca, uh, Nick Hellyer, and um, a few other people who are in that race as well. What Obis chances? You know, it's hard to say. So let me back up and say, like, uh, first of all, I don't predict elections in general anymore because who who the heck knows? It's turned into a cottage industry. Uh, and it's even harder when it comes to like a city of Houston election. because It's not like there's polling for at large two in the city of Houston. Um, but I would say, look, look, he's running against well-funded people who are backed up by large machines. 
So um, it's it's hard to you know, right. That's a hard race. I would say that on paper, you know, he's he's got a got an uphill fight, but he knew that from the beginning, and he's run a respectable race, and he's raised some some decent money, not the kinds of you know six figure sums that the people he's running against have raised, but some five figure quarters and things like that. Uh, so you know, we'll 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 see. I mean, sometimes at large surprised. at large three. At large three, uh, I lean toward Donald Cooper and Richard Cantu. I do want to give a quick shout out, actually, to Ethan Michelle Gans, um, first non-binary candidate in the city of Houston. But beyond that, an actual um, lefty who challenges the system in general and takes positions that challenge the system. So if somebody, I mean, given the number of people who are in that race, it's going to go to a runoff. If somebody wanted to vote for Ethan in the first round, I would support that uh, just to elevate some of those issues, like really questioning where some of our police budget is going, which is completely in the shadows. It's not transparent at all. But I lean toward Donnell or Richard. Donnell um, challenged uh, the sort of Houston Police Officers Union a little bit in terms of of where their ideology is uh, and and did a good job of pointing out how the police unions are not in complete agreement with, with one another, that the African-American Police Officers Union and the Houston Police Officers Union actually don't see entirely eye to eye on things. And I respected the fact that he brought uh, some of that critique to the table. Um, Richard Cantu has done a good job on the Harris County Department of Education in general. Uh, that department was was always has always been under threat of anti-education partisans. Uh, what it's actually great. It's a great department. It, it brings critical programs to the city. Um, it does good work. It's very pro-social. It's very it's a very good um, it's, it's probably the most functioning body of government, maybe in the whole state of Texas. Uh, so he's done a good job there. There are some things I disagree with him on. He wants to heavily increase police presence in schools. Uh, and the data has not borne out on that. Um, but you know, in general, I think that Donnell and Richard are, are reasonable choices. And like I said, I think I, I have a lot of respect for Ethan as well. So in effect, you're waiting uh, for the, the the runoff to see uh, what what you really got to do. <laughs> well, you know, we, I mean, it's it's a harder decision because both of them yeah. have you know pros and cons, right? When it comes to from where I'm sitting, from what I, I care you. about, I got you at large four. At large four is Letitia Plummer walking away easy. It's it's arguable uh, that there's a one person progressive block in city council and it's Letitia Plummer. But even if look, let's not even talk ideologically speaking. Letitia looks at the data. She voted four shot spot as she looked at it. It came in. You know, people say, you know, you voted for it before you voted against it uh, about issues about with politicians all the time. But sometimes you get something that comes in. I mean, we knew ShotSpotter was going to be a bad idea from the beginning, but I understand why politicians who have, you know, 50 different issues coming at them at any given time might not know one way or the other. So if somebody looks at the data and says, well, this isn't what I thought it was going to be and um, decides to, to tilt against something or in favor of something based on what the results of the actual policy are, I respect that. But beyond that. She's the only one who's challenged the police budgets. She's the only one that stood with the firefighters over arbitration. She's the only person who's actually uh, fought on housing issues really heavily. And she's she's fought for this apartment inspection um, uh, program over the last few years. And, and recently, time out, recently, it seems like she got into a little TC with the mayor with regards to the funding, I believe, for the uh, uh, moving those people that live in Cancer Alley, I think, in uh what was that all about? So I don't know. You know, I don't I'm not I want to speak. I'm not informed specifically on the scuffle between Council Member Plummer and the mayor on that. But what I will say is the people in the cancer cluster are not 
Um, you know, when the mayor says we need to pay for them to move, not everybody wants to move. Uh, there were right. a lot of people making the case that it actually can be environmentally cleaned up and that it could be of reasonable price to do, but it would take public money. Um, and the city at the end of the day decided that they didn't want to go that route. So not everybody is in agreement over there. Um, I think the sickest and saddest thing about that, and I'm so glad you brought it up, is just Union Pacific is getting away with hurting people. It's getting away with causing cancer to people. It's getting away with causing people. You know, I, I have a friend that lives over there um, or lived over there. She's moved away since. But, um, you know, half her body sometimes will go into paralysis. She lost her parents long before she should have lost them. Um, and it's it's horrible. It's a horrific uh, um, environmental racism that took place over there. And I mean, that's the right word for it. There were three historic Houston black communities where this took place. Uh, and Union Pacific, meanwhile, is funding campaigns of locals. Whenever they get criticized, it's over things like stopped trains, not creosote in the soil. And uh, it is sick. You know, when they when they throw these galas, and, you know, they talk about how they're they're funding 30 nonprofits in the city of Houston and all these different city councilors and, you know, local politicians show up to stand with Union Pacific because they're doing such good for the community. I mean, that is just straight up astroturfing propaganda, period, the end. You know, when we talk about um, uh, the uh, cor- not only corporate greed, but corporations uh, getting away with things and people talk about uh, why are progressives anti-corporations, which we're not, we're anti-bad corporations. Uh, this is a good example. When we talk about socializing the, the profits and, and, uh, and, uh, in, or rather not so socializing the debt and what, what's the phrase? Uh, Privatize we, the gains and socialize the losses. Yeah. Now, now you t- this is a classic example. These guys polluted, completely polluted the environment. And we're talking about public sector cleaning it up. I'm very, very sorry. That is something that the company should have been responsible for cleaning up. You make the mess, you clean it up, you cause harm to people, you pay for that harm as best you can. Okay. Uh, at large five, I noticed you abstain. I'm going to have to kind of speed up a bit. So I'm going to leave your abstention and go to controller. Yeah, I'm going with Chris Hollins. Uh, I think Shannon Nobles, you know, has a lot of extensive experience in the position, but there's a lot about the status quo. I don't like to see at City Hall. People point out that Hollins doesn't have as much experience as she does. And that's correct. But he does have experience managing finances. And the other thing is he didn't have any experience as clerk. And he was a great clerk. He was an awesome clerk. He was the best clerk we probably ever had in the city. In the, and, in the and, and the best the best one we had to have during a pandemic because he sure allowed people to have ingenious ways of voting, right? Yeah, he, he did. You know, and there look, there were a lot of people who brought a politician's job, an elected employee's job is not to be like people talk about CEOs being innovators. Their job is not to be an innovator. Their job is to find the best ideas and implement the best ideas. So when someone like Ben Chow says, you know, we need to do drive-through voting, it's Chris Holland's job as the clerk to say, yes, we do. And then make sure Mm -hmm. that that idea gets implemented. They both did their job. And that's true of every idea that was brought to the table. 24 hour voting was a great idea. Extended voting hours is a great idea. We had great turnout. We had a smooth election during a pandemic. So, I mean, it was, it was a, it was despite the claims of propagandists, um, that was an 
excellently run election. Um, they did take more funding to do it, but they were smart enough to have the foresight that it was going to take more funding to do that during a pandemic. And he got the job done. I'm very impressed with what he did. I'll say this in the same breath. Orlando Sanchez is a disaster. He's always been a disaster. He's always been a flunky. He's always been a corporate owned uh, mm-hmm. lobbyist. Flunky. Dave Martin is a Republican and is probably the biggest indictment on the entire career of Sylvester Turner that Dave Martin was made the mayoral pro tem under Turner and that Turner is now support and, and David Robinson are now supporting Dave Martin for controller. I think it's a tragedy. Uh, I think that they deserve lots of critique for that. And I wanted to make sure to state that before we got off the controller's race. All right. Last one. Uh, Sheila Jackson Lee for mayor. Well, John Whitmire is a disaster. And, you know, there's things about Sheila that I agree with and things about Sheila that I disagree with. But um, but I th- what I do know is the biggest threat to the city of Houston's sovereignty right now and Harris County sovereignty is coming from the state of Texas. And we deserve the right to self-rule and home rule and self-determination. And we don't need people coming in and telling us where we can draw our lines. Sheila Jackson Lee is going to be the best bulwark against that period. The end. I mean, that sounds that sounds like it. Okay, folks, 713-526-5738. We don't have much time, but if you want to give us a call, 713-526-5738. Now, um, I, I, when I saw this stuff, I said, you know what? I need to get you to come on here because a couple of a couple of a uh, few days ago, a caller said, hey, there's this big election happening in Houston. You guys are our local station and you hadn't covered the particular election to which I said to the to the um, to the listener. You know what, man? You're absolutely right. And when you wrote this paper, I said, let me go ahead and get Daniel in here to uh, talk a, a whole lot about this. Folks, give us a call. 713-526-5738, extension number two. You'll get on air right away. Jack will talk to you and put you on right away. 713-526-5738, extension number two. I await your calls. We have a few minutes that we can take the calls. Una vez mas, 713 Three eight extension number two. I'm glad that you're able to uh, cover this, Daniel. I mean, um, I think that um, the election, while very few people are hearing about it, very few people are going to vote. There's one person that's on air almost 24/7, and that is Whitmar. He has a whole lot of money in the bank, and do you think I, I am of the? Uh, I don't think television commercials work as they did in the past. I think there's a lot more underground that occurs. I think the reason why you see Donald Trump overperforming in the polls right now has very little to do with what's on air, but everything to do that with um, the Republican Party nurturing their own form of media, nurturing uh, their own clubs and institutions, things that the Democratic Party has refused to do as they will put all their money into high price consultants, your thoughts. I think that both of the, I think that the TV is important because of the crime way or the, uh, excuse me, the, the, the crime narrative, uh, mm-hmm. you know, skews is, is impactful with older voters. Um, but I think everything you said is correct. I think that, that, that there is a huge, movement uh you know that that people are overlooking people don't understand these twitch streamers are moving thousands and millions of people exactly and uh, they're not paying attention to that that's what and 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 who sees that are the republican the republican folks are using all these avenues investing money in it but we don't have the democratic party doing that come on in tag 
Yeah, good morning, Egberto. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Tag, talk to me, my brother. Yeah, I just think that, um, you know, when we're talking about elections and um, the way some people uh, do their governance, mm-hmm. we don't look need to look any further than what's going on in Israel right now with the right-wing nationalists and what happens when that gets played out too far and they start trying to um, neuter the Supreme Court, for example, you know, you have people revolt. So I think that we need to be very careful about having right-wing nationalists in our, in our, uh, leading our country. So that's all I got to say. Thank you. Thank you, my brother tag. Give me, give me your thoughts on that uh, to close out for me, uh, Daniel. Tag's right. Bibi Netanyahu is a monster. That I mean, it's it's very clear. Um, you know, you don't you can say that in the same breath and still even criticize Hamas very you know for for everything that's happened and condemn that. But yeah, of course, of course, the right wing nationalists in Israel have caused all kinds of massive chaos and violence, and of course, they will here too. You know, I stayed away from the Israel subject as best I could on my show yesterday because, again, it is it is very touchy. But I, I'm glad you came on and said exactly what you said. You can come out and say what Netanyahu has been doing is criminal and what what Hamas has done has been horrendous. Uh, uh, you know, we don't need innocent people dead on either side of, of, of the border. And you have people living in in the turmoil that they're living in uh, the West Bank and uh, Gaza, that presents a problem. That has nothing to do uh, with Jewishness or any of that sort. Your thoughts? I I completely agree. Uh, you know, we didn't mention. I do want to give one quick shout out. Travis McGee for District D is one of the most active uh, uh, advocates in the city of Houston. He single-handedly, well, not quite single-handedly, but with very few people, beat back a dump in his community uh, uh, twice. And there is now a community center there where they thought they were going to put a dump. He's one of the most active people in HISD uh, advocacy. And I just wanted to make sure to get that in there. Travis McGee for District D may very well be the best person on the ballot this year. Thank you for bringing that up. You know, of course, that is above my pay grade. I mean, I, you can't know all these people that are running, but again, that's why we have a lot of good folks like you with newsletters and all of that, all of that to keep us informed with what's going on. But anyhow, let me go and throw this to, to the geniuses in the studio. Howard, come on in. Alrighty then. Another fine show there, Egberto. Good luck on the, all the candidates who are going to run for mayor. It's going to be quite an interesting race. And that's about all I got. Uh, Jack, what's your wisdom today? Well, uh, first off, you know, the election's coming up. Educate yourself on the issues. Get registered. Check your registration. Cause some people may get bumped off the road. So check your registration and show up and vote. Vote, vote. Today's the last day to register, as I recall. Right. Listen to Howard. Vote, vote, vote. Uh, Daniel, thank you so kindly for being with us. Give me a 10 second closer. Yeah, if you get involved, uh, make sure that you vote, make sure that you take action. And if you don't know how, then check us out at IndivisibleHouston.com. That's Indivisible, like One Nation, Indivisible Houston, like this wonderful city we live in, dot com. And give us your newsletter. I want people to sign up for your newsletter. Yes, thank you. DanielJCohen.substack.com. That's Disruption and Democracy with Daniel J. Cohen. DanielJCohen.substack.com. I want everybody to be informed, folks. My name is Egberto Willis. I want to thank Howard, Jack, and Daniel and our callers. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics and Right, and you guys know how I end this baby. I am out. 
we spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.